Welcome to the Transformation Church Weekly Follow-Up Podcast. Our goal is to help create context and drive conversation to learn more of what God has for us. Now, let's join our team as we get to follow up, break down, and gain deeper insight into this week's message. Hey guys, welcome back to the Transformation Church Weekly Follow-Up Podcast. I'm Justin Oswald, the Executive Pastor of TC. With me back again today is the Lead Pastor, Brad Livingston. What's up, guys? Good to be back. Another week, another sermon, another follow-up podcast, and uh, moving our way through the Imagine series one week at a time. And so we just finished up part two this past Sunday. Yep. And uh, Imagine, Imagine, the title of this sermon, Carpe Diem which is a Latin phrase for seize the day. Yes, it is. The whole idea of the Imagine series is is this idea of I'm in, right? Imagine. I'm in. I'm in. I, imagine what your life could be. Imagine what today could hold. Imagine, you know, all the aspects of, of life. We want you just to imagine how different it could be, what the possibilities are. If we just started saying yes to the Lord um, and capitalizing on key moments that pass us by or don't pass us by, and we take advantage of them. And so uh, that was the that's the point of the Imagine series, and all this is really a catalyst for the big move, which is not that far away, bro. <laughs> nah, I got to count down on my whiteboard <laughs> that I change every morning, and, uh, and that number just keeps dropping. It's fast. Yeah. So Justin has a uh, a whiteboard in his office where we have tons of number one. We've written down the name of every dream teamer. That we have across two whiteboards. Yeah. <laughs> so two whiteboards. It's a that. lot of people. And uh, and some of our new dream teamers. But shout out to some of our new dream teamers. Those of you that have signed up in the last few weeks. Words cannot express how grateful we all are as the staff. Uh, Pastor Dan, Pastor Justin, and myself as the pastoral lead team of the church. And and then just myself as the lead pastor. I mean, we're so grateful for all you guys that are jumping on board with us. Phenomenal. I mean, we're just so excited to to be moving forward, but also, man, having people buy into the direction we're going and how quickly, you know, we were texting a few people uh, over the past two weeks, different people in the church, leaders in the church, um, just checking in, how you guys feeling about the move. You know, we feel great about it and, and we know it's where God has taken us, but sometimes people just need to be encouraged on a different level. So we just texting a few people, checking in and man, just there's no negative feedback, a hundred percent of uh, every single person I've texted, it's like, man, this is so exciting. You know, we're looking forward to it. Yeah, it's uh, if there's any negative, uh, we haven't heard it. Right, exactly. You know, surely and, there's and, concerning uh, thoughts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and and negative is kind of a negative word, even in this. Situation. I mean, <laughs> yes, obviously, <it> <laughs> you know, obviously, um, you know, if, if you lived five minutes from our church, and now you know it's a little bit more of a drop, like those kind of things. Yeah, I think that, yeah, but yeah, anytime, totally. you, anytime you move, I think that's a concern. But yeah. the cool thing is, and you know, Pensacola is one of those towns. P- Pensacola is not one of those towns where people go to church based on like the community where they live. Where they live. So nah, many people right. don't. Um, you know, you go to the church you like or that you're called to, or you know, however sure. you want to phrase that. But sure. you know, there's a lot of people that'll travel across town. You know, yeah, I mean, um, we got you know Rick and Brenda. I mean, they they come from Tiger Point. That's far. You know, for those that aren't Pensacolians, that's a forty-five minute stroke every Sunday. It's far. You know, so it's like, uh, you know, and then different people. We got quite a few people in Gulf Breeze now. Between Gulf Breeze, Navarre, Tiger Point, there's we got there's a lot yeah, of people. We got enough people. Navarre's, I mean, farther than Tiger Point. I mean, that's yeah, far. Yeah. Um, you know, Milton. so so 
yeah, it's one of those things where you know that didn't play that didn't play into our decision at all because so many people come from all over. You know, right. you go to the church that you that you like. You don't necessarily. Um, go based on the community you're in or, you know, in your neighborhood. It's not like back in the day, you know, where right, this right, is the church right. you went to. But And then on top of that, it's just a vision of the house, right? It's, it's oh, yeah. To, it's to reach as many people as possible. I mean, we want to see people transform from who they are to who God wants them to be. And, you know, we've been in our community for three years now. Not to say every three years we're going to move. That's not necessarily what we're saying. But God, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> but what I, what I am saying is, you know, um, our passion drives our pursuit. Right, the very first, very first line of our TC code, our first, first code, first number of our TC code is our passion. Passion drives our pursuit, and we love, uh, we love what God loves because we love Him. Um, and so, it, if that means God's going to move us across town to go portable at a different place, because that's where we're going to reach the most people in that season, then pack your bags boys we're yeah. going on the road you know <laughs> and if you want to know more about our code transformationchurch.com slash our code yeah check it out because uh there's some good stuff on there you know oh, tons. so tons. we justin and i did a lot of what we call war room meetings which is where we get in a room and talk about nothing except for the single topic and and uh flesh it out and all that comes from luke 15 and yeah, it's good stuff. we've had some some help from a few other pastors and churches that have helped us assemble what we believe, what we believe to be defining characteristics of our church, and essentially our values. That's really what it is. Mm-hmm. Like our code is our values. And I was talking to a pastor here recently, and we were we were talking about our values. He's talking about our code, and I was like, the important, the reason why the code is important is because it helps you know what is due north mm-hmm. for you as a church. Like when things pop up, storms, whatever. Like it's good to go to the code to be like, well, this is who we are. This is who we say who we are. This is who God called us to be. So none of these other options out here of directions are for us. Like we need to stay due north. It's a good compass. So Yeah, I mean it's it's one of those things where I think as a church, there's so much as a church, any church, there's so much you can do. Man, listen, or, we, we were just talking about this. Or could be you, right. you, the, you can, could, or maybe I'm not gonna say should. I I, I was Would gonna be a great opportunity. I was gonna say should, but just based on like as a Christian, as right. Christians, right, right, right. Like, um, but I do think it is important for for a church, you know, to find out what your what your um what your calling, kind of your mission is, other than ob- the obvious of the gospel, the gospel. Sure. Um, you know, what does preaching the gospel look like when in the context of your church? You know, like um, the method. is is every church called to do uh, ministry for sex trafficking? I don't know. And maybe everyone shouldn't when mm-hmm. you could partner together or maybe there's an organization that's currently doing like like sure. we're like we are. Yeah, totally. Um, you know, so it's it's um it's like every every church in every town doesn't have to reinvent the wheel. Or do like almost like if we if we're gonna do a food pantry, maybe the church down the road should do a clothes closet and we work together. Like we don't both have to do both. What a thought! You Justin. know, you know what I mean. Like, you may be onto something there. And that, and that, <laughs> yeah, but that's what you mean. Like the camp, the, 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 yeah, right, the, the yeah. compass is like this is what we do. This is who we and are, and we're gonna yeah. choose to do it really well. And if it's not this, we're not gonna do it. And that doesn't mean no we're wrong. It yeah. just means we we're focused on what we are called to do. And that's the cool thing about the body. It's just just like in a church with the body, everybody's got a like all the churches together we should be able to uh hit every aspect of the needs in our community yeah you, you would, yeah you would totally. think, ideally well and that's even that's even like 
even when you go back, like uh, we have always, and we count it in honor and we strive to be multi uh, cultural and have multiple races. And, and it's not, we want multiple races in our church. We want to affirm the God's identity in multiple races in our church, whether that be, you know, like uh, our goal is to have it in every aspect of leadership. You know, so we're, we actively are searching for people to make sure every part of our leadership team um, has voices from different demographics and different races. Like we're actively truly, pursuing that. And we've talked about that, I think, on here is truly multicultural. Truly. Not just, not we, just multiracial. I don't just want black people in my church. I do. I don't just want that. I want more than that. I want, I want well, to affirm. I want to have voices. You know what I mean? Value. Well, you can be multiracial, but not multicultural. So true. You know. And we, I, I feel like we've talked about that on here before. Maybe we haven't, but Maybe it's we like haven't, but it's like so many churches uh, want multi multiracial, but the but the minority races are expected to conform to the majority culture, right? And right. that's not a multicultural church. It's multiracial, and that yeah. and that's a a start compared yeah, to, yeah, to yeah, most, yeah. but. Um, and, and for us, I mean, it's it's an ongoing conversation of even different aspects of our church service, yep. how they can continue to represent that better. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, there's some, there's tons of what we we pay such close attention to it, and we are so intentional about it that it it is an ongoing portion of conversation amongst different people in our church in a good way. Uh, but further than that, it's a part of our code. Unity is greater than loyalty, right? Mm-hmm. Like we'll fight for right for each other, have a seat at the table. It's all part of uh, what we're aiming to accomplish. And, um, you know, I, I'm more for, I want more people in our church that are fighting for the unity of their brothers that may look differently than them, but are just as much, you know, ha- are, are living in the image of God than I just want people to agree with me. Cause the, that sometimes creates friction, you know. Sometimes you have to deal yeah. with difficult issues. Yeah, it creates. Yeah, and we take them head on, baby. Whatever it takes. Yeah, because it's in, you know to me in 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 the big picture, there's not a lot of friction there. It's only friction when you expect everyone to see the world as you see it. True, totally true. You know, and, and yeah. it's like or people that live in a bubble, oh, oh, people that live in a vacuum, essentially, where oh, yeah. you know they they they. Everyone they do life with looks like them. Republicans. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> just, just totally kidding. So, everyone. You can send those emails to <laughs> to- uh, totally <laughs> contact to- at. I'm totally kind of kidding. He's totally. Kinda- <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but not no. I'll mean. say Democrats. Just now yeah, we're balanced. Yeah, Democrats. Now we're yes, good. Yes. Yeah. Them Democrats. <laughs> Republicans, Democrats. No, uh, but yeah, I mean, if you live life in a vacuum, everyone looks like you. Everyone talks like you. Everyone agrees with you. Um, it's only in moments where you're forced into having conversations that challenge that that it gets you know a little more difficult and that's a human nature a lot of times of course. Though, like, yeah, you know because totally. that's not just i made the joke of republic like that's not just white churches that have that problem you know it's oh, like it, it's yeah uh, i mean that's you i think human nature is to click up yeah absolutely you know so it's, it's just easier yeah, it's, it's easy. easier and yeah. especially in church where i was talking to one of our guys not to not not that goes to our church but a friend of mine and he was explaining to me he's like listen man he, he, uh this is african-american brother he said it's just easier to go to a church where everyone at my church looks like me. Mm-hmm. He's like, I'm not saying it's hundred percent right. I'm just saying it's easier because everywhere else in the world, we have to fight for recognition and, and the Imago Dei, the image of God and to be recognized. It, it's a fight everywhere else. That's the one place we don't want to have to fight for it. We just want to be accepted. So it's easier to do that. I, I said, Hey man, I understand. You know, he well, wasn't even trying to say it was right. He was yeah. just saying it's easier. Well, it's not right. It's not right on the surface 
the however is it's a shame that that's the case. It is. It that is. you even can't go into a church that's quote unquote not like us because it's hard. Right, because it's harder. Yeah, no, totally. You know, yeah, totally. So it's like it's it, it it's almost like uh, it it is kind of it's not right, but you do get it. Yeah, and maybe it shouldn't even be that way. He should. He may not even should have to be in the position to make a right or wrong decision like that. Yeah, and yeah, that's totally. where the, the the quote unquote majority church you right, know it, right. it has failed. So it's just a so we're we're it's, it's got to be intentional. We're constantly working, man. We're we're constantly assessing. I mean, when we're doing analogies and sermons, we're trying to figure out are we hitting every wavelength that is represented or are intentionally hitting a singular wavelength. We've intentionally hit singular age demographics before in our sermon. We've intentionally hit, you know, um, we've communicated anytime we've communicated to something to one race, we've communicated it to both. We're always intentional about all those type of moments. But for us, um, that's what we're called to. We are called to be a multicultural, multiracial church where we, I, I say this uh, both, I'm proud of this, try not to be prideful in it, but I'm proud of it to say that we're one of, um, one of, if not the, and I'm very careful to say that, but we're definitely one of the most multicultural, multiracial churches in our country. I mean, in our, in our city. Um, and there are some others out there. I mean, you know, you think about guys like Jubilee, I don't remember how many nations they have represented. I mean, there's, you know, a lot, they yeah. do a phenomenal job and there's plenty of other churches in our, in our city that are really working hard. But it is not common. Liberty, you know, Liberty does a, does a, a good job, but you're, you're right. It's not common. Um, and I know we definitely are, are one of the ones leading the charge in that. And I say that I'm proud of that. Mm-hmm. That's something that it's not easy, and we we lose people over it. And you know how you know how we know that we're one of the few because of the questions we get from other pastors <laughs> yeah, and churches. Right. Is how do we do right, this? Right. How do y'all deal with this? Yeah, how, yeah. yeah. How, you know what should we do? Yeah, I'm like no, that's true, man. Because we do get that question a lot. Yeah, I mean, I got it. I think three times running into people at, at the art conference that we knew there are churches here, but it's like. You know, my answer to a lot of times is some, so much of it has to be organic. It's not, that's the funny part. Like having this whole conversation is funny because that is an answer of mine is it has to be organic. You can't force it. Mm -hmm. However, that doesn't take into consideration all the intentionality we put on the back end. It has to be organic and intentional. It really (laughs) does. Yeah. Like, well, the thing is, like if you want to, if you're, I'm going to, I'm going to pick on what I am. Like if you're a predominantly white church. And you want to be more multiracial, hiring a black guy is not the only answer. Right. Like like maybe that totally. will help. Um that's not it's not a bad thing. Yeah. Um, but that that's not gonna be the end all be all fix it all. Yeah, totally. You know, you, because you, there's still a culture aspect. Because because yeah. church is so much more than uh, the, uh, the the Sunday the Sunday service. So there's a culture aspect yeah. that, that has to happen. Well know? and that's what uh, you know, that's part of it is you know, if, if you want more multicultural if you want a more multicultural aspect to your life, you know, we're kind of talking about pastors for a second, you know, but if you're a listener out there and you look around your church and and maybe you're not a pastor, maybe you're just an average Joe, you're a church attender, but you look around your church and you're like, man, I really wish there were more insert here, black people, white people, you know, Mex- whatever. Like, I wish it was more of this. Um, get them in your friend circle because you build your church on who you hang out with. So the reason oh, there's a lot no. of black people in our church it's because we hang out with a lot. Like, those are people we do yeah. life with. I would much rather hang out with black people. <laughs> <laughs> 
like true true story <laughs> you know, like shout out my cousin Shakir I mean like I would much that's rather, actually a true thing that's, that's not actually like a, yeah, yeah I'm not making a joke I would much rather Justin has a real cousin named Shakira, so. Shakira yeah and she's awesome I met her a few Sundays back yeah yeah, yeah. no but um but what oh, man I, I was gonna say something I lost my train of thought when I made that stupid joke um <laughs> uh, you know Oh, oh, I know what it was. It's like, but you also have to, there's an aspect, and we talk about this, uh, if you are in church leadership, is the market speaks. Right. If you want, if you, let's get off a race. If you want more young people in your church. Yeah, there it is. I mean, you have to do things that attract and then keep young people, you know, and that's the, it's so simple, but it's so hard, you know, it's well, so simple and hard at the same time. Yeah, there, there's, and that's the thing is it's like, listen. Bottom line, stop defending what's not working. Ayo. Like so and we're done. See y'all next week. <laughs> we want we really want more well, well yeah, you're right. Let's keep on we'll stay with that. So young we'll come people. off the race thing for yeah. a little bit. Let's go with age. Like you know, we really want we want more young families to come into our church and, and become more active and involved. It's like awesome. Like, so what is it about your church service and your community? that doesn't make them want to come and then change that. It's like, yeah, but we really, we've done it this way. It's like, right, but that's not working. Stop defending what's not working. Like, well, we just believe theologically that the biblically, biblical context of a church service should be cool. Then stop saying, hey, you, yeah, yeah, like. That's yeah. great. Then, then you, then don't compromise. If you really believe that, don't compromise it, but stop complaining with the young people right, exactly. or, or, or whoever. Bottom line. It's like, it's the, the funny thing of uh Chris Hodges at Church of the Highlands. Right. And when he talks about the consulting he does and yeah. getting churches, helping pastors when they want to grow and helping them. And right, right, the, right. The, the guy that, um, when he went to his church and it, the guy preached for like, you know, an hour and 10 minutes or whatever. Yeah. And Chris Hodges was like, well, that's, that's the problem. Like you, you next week you're going to, you get 25 minutes to preach or 30 minutes to preach. Yeah. And the guy was like, well, like, I'm not changing that. I'm not that. changing that. Um, it's like, oh, it's okay. like he says, okay. I'm, I'm real good, too. It's like, well, if you were that good, <laughs> they, people, people would, be, would coming. be coming. Yeah. Um, well, that's the problem, it, you know. Because an hour's too long. I don't care how good you are. Well, here's <laughs> the, here's the this is what we run into, and I, I, I'll, you know, I'll say it till I'm blue in the face. I talk to pastors about this all the time. You'll start growing when you stop having church to keep people and start having church to glorify God again. Mm-hmm. Well, we can't change that because somebody might leave. Then you've already lost this battle, my friend, because when I do church, when I do like my limited amount of church, we'll use the word consulting when we're helping pastors, I do a whole teaching on the profit and loss. If someone leaves your church because you changed the, the worship style, or if they change the church, because, leave your church because you changed the preaching this, or, or you're still faithfully declaring the message, you just changed the method. They leave, they didn't leave the faith, they left your church. That's not a loss to the kingdom, but you could profit so much if you make those changes to both your church and the kingdom. Zero loss, 100% profit. That's a good way to go from an investment standpoint. Mm-hmm. So invest into whatever it is that you're aiming for your church to be. So, Man, Tom Rainer would be proud of this conversation. He right? would. You should tag him <laughs> on Twitter. <laughs> I will. I will. I listened I listen to his podcast this morning. Yeah, so, what I love uh, about Tom Rainer is he's, I mean, homeboy's in his 60s. Yeah, 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 yeah. But he's, um, it just full of wisdom and knowledge but so much of what he says is like the same thing we're talking from a, as young guys right it's like um not not that we're as smart as him it's just from a conceptual level even like he gets it like yeah, and, he gets and, it and, well. and and in his denomination and as huge in the sbc and all that I just but i think he's i think he's good but, yeah tom renner's gangster okay. so anyway shout out to tom, tom all right Rainer. so uh i'm Ima- to say imagine if you <laughs> yeah imagine imagine what your church could be like if 
Everyone didn't. Never mind. Yeah. I'm not going there. It's a different podcast. <laughs> I could have went so far with that. Yeah. Uh, so, but no, we want to talk about, it, it's about imagining. And, and I mean, that is part of this, you know, like we, Justin and I are big dreamers. You know, I think that's part of our, uh, all the different aspects of our personality types. You know, we're, we're dreamers, we're go-getters. And, uh, you know, one, I think one of the reasons we click so well is because we both like to look really far down the road at what could be. And we also like to work really hard on what currently is to get it there. So it's this thing. So we, we actually imagine we execute a lot of what we're talking about on these Sundays in our everyday life, you know? Yeah. So we work hard to accomplish that, but Carpe Diem sees the day. Sees it. So you have an opportunity and uh, we spent a good chunk of our time from Sunday morning in first Samuel. Actually, we spent most of our time in first Samuel. Um, chapter 14. And, uh, if you want to know, I'll go ahead and put it out there. I'll expose my secret. This whole series is coming out of a book by Erwin McManus called chasing daylight. So if this series is inspiring you, if this series is encouraging you, if this series is helping you in any sort of way, um, you can go, uh, Amazon or audible or whatever, however you do books in your life. Um, and check out chasing daylight by Erwin McManus. It's good, man. It's to, really good. I'm about to check it out. So, um, yeah. I wonder if he's the author on, I mean, if he's the, uh, he is on, on the audible. audible if yeah. He's, he's reading he's it himself reading. and you can tell because they're like, he has big emotional fluctuations in his reading. Like you can tell. Uh, he, are you on audible with it? Yeah. I'm on audible with it right now. Oh, okay. I thought so, you were reading it. Reading. No, it. no, 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 no. I don't have time for that. Yeah. Uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're always better when the author's reading. Totally. Yeah. And you can tell what he, he like he went out of his way to do that and it's really good. But in first Samuel fourteen, um, we're gonna go ahead and read this text. Uh where we're at a point where Jonathan, the son of Saul, uh, is at a dilemma. And so uh let's do that, Justin. First Samuel fourteen. One to ten. Yep. One day Jonathan, son of Saul, said to his young armor bearer, Come, let's go over to the Philistine outpost on the other side. But he did not tell his father. Saul was staying on the outskirts of Gilba under a pomegranate tree in Migrant. I, I, all these words, you know, all these towns. Um, with him were about 600 men. Jonathan said to his young armor bearer, Come, let's go over to the outpost of those uncircumcised men. Perhaps the Lord will act in our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. Do all that you have in mind, his armor bearer said. Go ahead. I am with you, heart and soul. So we see here that uh, Jonathan has this opportunity. He's there with his father, Saul, who's the king. And, and th- there's an army of 600 men that are all there. Their, their intention is to attack uh, this outpost uh, of the Philistines. And so uh, he calls to his armor bearer and they go to a, a, a more or less attack the Philistine camp by themselves though. They don't take the 600 men, doesn't take Saul, leaves all them behind right. and he just goes. And, um, and so the whole point of Sunday was about seizing the day, seizing key opportunities, moments that pop up in front of us. And, and so Sunday we really talked about making the move, right? And making the move in four different aspects of the story that we can learn from if we're going to imagine, if we're going to be all in to say, you know, saying I'm in to what God is doing in our life and the key moments that he gives us, right? So uh, in that, the first thing we're going to do, Justin. Imagine engaging the plan. Imagine engaging the plan. So in First Samuel 14, you know, Jonathan just kind of 
gets up and he's like, come on, let's go. Like, at some point, you can do all the planning in the world. You can have all the armies in the world. You can have whatever. But at some point, you've got to say, come on, let's go. Right? Mm -hmm. Matter of fact, verses 8 through 10. Uh, Justin, what do you got there? Jonathan said, come on then. We will cross over toward them and let them see us. If they say to us, wait there until we come to you, we will stay where we are and not go up to them. But if they say, come up to us, we will climb up because that will be our sign that the Lord has given them into our hands. So, yeah. So we see that Jonathan, um, you know, he says, come on then. And, and he just engages his plan. The Lord kind of inspires him. He starts to make this move and go for it. Um, and I think that's just right where so many of us are, you know. And here's the here's the downfall, Justin. I believe there are so many people, and we talked about this Sunday, there are so many people who are so busy fighting off the sin in their life that they're not pursuing the purpose for their life. They, they're just trying to make it day to day without saying a cuss word or whatever, fill in your whatever temptation yeah. or downfall or character flaw or whatever. Like, you know, like... I just, I'm just trying to get through today and not cuss somebody out or lose my temper or whatever. And it's like, oh, yeah, because that's a really fruitful way to right. to live your life, you know. Um, and the reality is, man, like our battle should be for our purpose, mm-hmm. not against who we're trying not to be anymore. Right. So once you have said yes to Jesus, the struggle shouldn't be what sin do I allow in my life, but rather what decisions do I make today that will glorify Christ the most. Mm hmm. That should be where we're at. That's it. The problem is oftentimes in our uncertainty of what we should do, we become frozen in time, stalemated and paralyzed by uncertainty. And in those moments, we choose not to choose at all. So because we're scared, like because we're fearful or because we're just trying, like I'm just trying not to make any mistakes today, we get stuck in a state of paralysis. We're not moving. We're, you know, we're not doing, we're not actively going after what God has for us. We're just kind of stuck. And man, that's not, that's not <laughs> what God wants for us anyways. Justin, were you big, big, you, you, did you ever play sports? I mean, were you a sports person at all? Uh, I played T-ball for two years. <laughs> T-ball. Hey, so, so hated my, it. <laughs> my baseball analogy Sunday was perfect for you, right? Oh like, yeah. The T-ball whole, like, was just the worst. Boredom straight oh, up. Oh my gosh. Give I used me to play some cheese fries and I'll sit in the dugout. I used to play in the chalk line. <laughs> seriously yeah yeah i played two i say two years two seasons yeah um yeah hated it hated it after Miserable. it was one of those things where i think the first year my parents i was you know it was their idea and then you know to see if i would like it right you know and then the second year my brother it was me and my little brother okay um but then i was like nah yeah, they didn't they knew we didn't i didn't like it or something uh they said they didn't my parents were not the type of parents to live vicariously through us. Yeah. So they weren't going to force us to do something because like my dad loved it or something. For sure. Um, he was like, you know, he, my parents are the type that they would have never let me quit in the middle of the season or anything. Like, sure. We committed, you're, going, you're going to do it. Right. Um, but next year, like you ain't got to worry about, it. we're not going to sign up again. You know, yeah. We're going to save that money. Yeah. You know, um, I just don't, baseball is just so lame to me, but, um, yeah, no, I didn't play. You can send your emails to contact at transformation. Yeah. Listen, everyone knows baseball's lame. Uh, definitely to watch. Especially I can just sit and watch it on TV. No, thank you. No, no, no. But no. Um, there are a few guys like my, my man Chris Strickland. 
like he I, loves it. He loves it. He yeah. actually announces. You know, he announced for yeah. EWF now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My man Chris, shout out to you, uh, is announcing for EWF's softball and baseball teams, which are apparently really good this year. Garen, uh, who's one of the assistant a- ads at UWF. Uh, was telling me, and then Chris was telling me they're they're really killing it this year. So yeah. shout out to our Argos out of Pensacola. Yes, UWF. But uh, uh, yeah. yeah, Chris loves it, and you know I think that's cool. Like if the, for the people that do, I just think it's so. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's so much more stuff to watch than that on TV. I'd rather watch it live. I'll never watch it on TV. No, it yeah. should not even be on TV. Like back in the day when they used to put baseball games, and they still might. I don't have K one anymore, so I know on TBS. Like you took off the Family Guy to put on a baseball game. Like come on, <laughs> yeah, you know it's the World Series. No, yeah, no. So, but all that to say, man, uh, we we talked a little bit Sunday about sideliners. Those mm-hmm. people that just they want to be on the sideline. Like they, like, they want to be on the team, but just. Close enough to game, to, close enough to the game to feel the intensity, but never actually get in, right? And uh, so we talked about sports. Like we were talking about some of those cats uh, on Sunday. And Erwin McManus says the greatest tragedy for Christians is not the sins that we commit, but the lives that we fail to live. Mm. That's some stuff right there. Because the sins are forgiven, right? Mm. Mm. Old Erwin, putting it all on him, dropping some some truth, truth bombs. James four seventeen, Justin. Yes, so whatever so whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. See, so many times we, we get committed to not committing the sins we're aware of that we end up committing the ones we're not aware of. Mm-hmm. Passivity is a dangerous thing. Man, it's so comfortable. Mm. Such an easy place to be. Apathy. It is. Then number two, Justin. Imagine climbing towards the possibilities. Imagine climbing towards the possibilities of what God could do in your life and through your life. First Samuel 14, 11 through 12. So both of them showed themselves to the Philistine outposts. Look, said the Philistines, the Hebrews are crawling out of the holes they were hiding in. The men of the outpost shouted to Jonathan and his armor bearer, come up to us and we'll teach you a lesson. So Jonathan said to his armor bearer, climb up after me. The Lord has given them into the hand of Israel. So... Jonathan and his armor bearer climb up and the Lord has given them into the hands of Israel, right? And But the thing is, is you really got to imagine what's possible with the Lord. I mean, with God on your side, the conversation changes about what's possible, about what can happen. And we mm-hmm. really, we, we have to imagine what the Lord can do in us and through us, but it's up to God for the execution. So we imagine the possibilities and we start moving towards his purpose. It's up to him to come through, you know, but I think so many people become nervous they become anxious, right? They get like the sweaty palm thing where they're, you know, like all those things. And we used this analogy a while back. As a matter of fact, this one from a boy, Simon Sinek. But he talked about, he was talking about the difference for average Joes versus Olympic athletes, right? So if you, you know, you talk to uh, someone and their their palms are sweaty and their heart starts racing and they can feel the blood you know rush to their face and you know they start getting all those they're anxious and and uh you know they're all those things like an, an olympic athlete when you if you ask them how they felt before a, a big meet they would describe all of those things and they would say i was excited you ask an average joe how they felt going into certain situations in their life all of the things are the same. Sweaty palms, hearts racing, blood rushes to your face. 
but they would say they were nervous or scared. Mm-hmm. And it's about how we train ourselves to deal with the signs that our body gives us. There's no difference between the Olympic athlete and the average Joe when they encounter great opportunities other than how you see them. Are they opportunities for you to be excited about or are they painful situations that you're nervous about? Yeah, that's good. And so we find ourselves in that spot a lot of times. So we need to imagine the possibility, like what, man, how great of an opportunity is this? Whatever you're like, whatever, wherever you are in life, whatever you're about to go through, how great of an opportunity is this thing for God to do something amazing? That's good. But we just have to see it that way. And a lot of times we don't. Mm. And I'm guilty, just like everyone else. Mm-hmm. But that's what God's looking, asking us to do. Imagine the possibilities, right? So we choose that path, man, because there's a power in moments. Just like I said last week, you know, a moment is special in that it can pass you by without notice or it can change your life forever, depending on what you choose. Like the power of moments is it's huge. Huge. And here's one thing that I know. There are far too many people that are reacting to moments instead of acting upon them. That's that's probably true. So we react to what we missed in key moments rather than acting on the opportunities in them. Yeah, so, I mean, because, you know, the the problem is I don't think opportunities are as elusive as people would make them out to be. They're there. Sure. It's just when people if, – if you're actually paying attention and see it, having the courage to even do something with it, you know. Totally. Totally. Like that, yeah, absolutely. That's, that's, the, that's the kicker. So imagine climbing towards the possibilities. Then number three. Imagine trusting God for your promise. Imagine trusting God for your promise. Then we're going to go back a little bit in this first Samuel story. Uh, we're still on Saul, but we're going to go back to kind of how we got to where we're at. First Samuel 13, 7 through 14. Saul remained at Gilgal and all the troops with him were quaking with fear. He waited seven days, the time set by Samuel, but Samuel did not come to Gilgal, Gilgal and Saul's men began to scatter. Is there more? Nope. Oh, so he said, bring me the burnt offering and the fellowship offerings. And Saul offered up the burnt offering. Just as he finished making the offering, Samuel arrived and Saul went out to greet him. And he said, what have you done? That's what Samuel said. Right. And I think I took that part out for another reason. But, oh, okay. So Samuel looked at him and said, what have you done? And and Saul essentially was telling him like, listen, the men were running. They were scattering. I had to do something. So mm-hmm. we just decided to go. And there's a part of all of us. And I know I'm guilty of this. And Justin, I know your personality, so I know you are too. <laughs> <laughs> You're a, a three on the thingy. Well, I, I'm either a three or an eight. I can't decide. Now. Oh, okay. I got to have an expert tell me. You're, you're a three or an eight on <laughs> I the- I think I'm a three, but Which yeah. one is that? Enneagram. Enneagram. I think it's a three. You're an ENTJ on oh. the Myers-Briggs. Yeah. You're a DI on the disc, disc profile. Yeah. How do I know that, ladies and gentlemen? Because he tells me all the time. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. We, talk, we do talk about it a lot here. Uh, From a productive standpoint about yeah. understanding our- our coworkers and employees better. But anyways, all that to say the, I know I'm like this. I know Justin is like this. And I know there's probably plenty of you listeners out there that are like this as well, that you say, all right, God, this is what I need. This is the time I need it in. And then we wait. And it wasn't the amount of time that we thought should have went by. And so we just go to work ourselves. Like God, I'm going to make something happen, making something happen. Go, go, go. Like, you know, not necessarily out of spite, but just like, hey, like, 
Yeah, because it's not, uh, it's definitely not out of spite. Like, I mean, God could give me everything and anything, but like, he doesn't. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? And like, he made our, he made us to have the personality types that you have. Right. You know, and it's like, um, yeah, I don't know. That's one of those weird things, man. It's like, it's like you don't prep the, how some people pray, you know, they pray maybe about every little, every little thing. I just, I'm not that way. You know, I don't think of every little thing like that. I feel like that the Lord, um, you know, as you try to stay close to him, but he guides your, he guides your steps, but man, he's, he's wanting you just to take steps, you know, and he'll, he's gifted you and he's anointed you and all these things. And as you are working towards something, that's, that's when he's moving is in all that, you know, like, I feel like if all I, if I needed something, if all I did was get in a room and pray about it, what happens if I just, I don't know. And that's one of those weird things. I don't know that I can back up my whole statement, like biblically, it's just, that's how I kind of feel about it. It's like, that's why we have these personality types and stuff is you go get, you go after stuff and right. he, and not only personality types, like he's also given us spiritual gifts and there's a level of anointing on those he's called for specific purposes. Like, right. Right. You just go, go after it. Well, and that's the thing is I, I, I think so many of us, we find ourselves, it's like the catch 22, right? Between, Hey, I'm going to make this happen on my behalf because you know, God didn't come through the way I thought he was going to. So it's like a combination of that. But then also like, you know, where's the balance between feeling that way and saying, I need to be proactive about pursuing what God has. You know what I'm saying? I do. And I think that's kind of where we like find ourselves a little bit is like the balance between the two. I think of it as if it was parenting, if God is the ultimate father, but you you don't parent your kids that way. You don't give your kids everything they pray for. Right. I mean, everything they ask for. Right. Because the problem is depending upon where you're at in life, what you're asking for may not even be what you need or what's best for you. They don't know what's best for them. It, does, usually. it doesn't take away from the fact that they actually want it. So if, if I use that same thought process and like how I'm even, pray, how I even pray and ask God for things, I may legitimately think I need that or want that. Right. But God knows better. Um, doesn't he? Yes. So, so sometimes it's like he, you, you know, you, or, or like, if I just give it, then you're, it's spoiling. Like now your kids are spoiled brats, yeah. you know, like so there's something about teaching them how you work for something and, you know, go out there and, and that type of thing. So I just kind of equate it the same way. Like, sure. I could go in my office right now and close the door and, and pray for everything imaginable of what I would like in life. But like, where's, where's the fun in that for God or me? Like, yeah. you know, and that's uh, what I was getting at. Sometimes you just have to trust the Lord that he knows what he's like. He knows what he's doing. You know what I'm saying? Like, Absolutely. It's the Tim Keller quote. You know, I was just at uh, some friends with for lunch today, just helping them through a couple of things. And, you know, it's the Tim Keller quote about worry, worry and anxiety. You know, worry is not believing that God is for me and anxiety is not, is believing that he doesn't have my best interest at heart. You know, like God is for us. He's for himself. Yeah. But then he's for, you know what I mean? Like he's yeah. not going to, he wants us invested. to, he's trying to teach us stuff. Like if you just yeah. hand it over, you don't learn. Yeah. So, so, so much, yeah. so much to that. So imagine trusting God for your promise. Cause there's a level of trust, faith that is required for us to lean into what God's going to do. 
Next, number four. Imagine the victory in your process. Imagine the victory in your process. First Samuel 13, 2, Saul was staying on the outskirts of Gibeah under a pomegranate tree, and migrating with him were about 600 men. So he had all that he needed. Saul had all he needed to fight the battle. What he didn't have was the faith to see God be victorious in it. He was so anxious to leave in chapter 13 uh, earlier. He was so anxious to leave and get moving that he went beyond what Samuel told him to, Samuel being the man of God for that hour. But then by the time he got to the battle, he didn't trust God enough for the battle. He trusted himself enough to know better, but he didn't trust him God enough to win the battle with him. Mm. So he found himself under a pomegranate tree. Meanwhile, Jonathan was all about that carpe diem. He's about to seize the day. And that's where we need to find ourselves, right? Uh, we kind of went over a building list on Sunday. Uh, we'll give those four to you quickly on, on how you can engage this, uh, the carpe diem. First one, Justin? Yeah, number one is overcome your fear. Yep. So we're all scared of something. Sometimes we're scared of the unknown. Sometimes we're scared of, afraid of God. Sometimes we're afraid of the outcome, right? Mm-hmm. Overcome your fear. Number two. Two, get out of your feelings. Get out of your feelings. Whatever you've gone through, whatever's got you bitter, angry, upset, anxious, get out of those feelings. Number three. Three, engage your faith. It's going to take faith. It's going to take a level of faith for you to trust God Mm. to come through for you. If you could do it yourself, you wouldn't need God, and that's not the way the Lord operates, right? And then number four. Imagine your future. uh, Imagine what it could be if you said yes. Imagine what's possible with God on your side. So imagine your future when you say yes. And so... Uh, come, let's go. From First Samuel 14, we see Jonathan seizing the day. And it all started with, come, let's go. And I believe God is saying that to a number of us. Come, let's go. Let's get moving. And that equates to, I'm in. Because we in the Imagine series. I'm in. Are you in, Justin? I'm all in. All in. So. Like no limit, hold them. <laughs> all in. Full send. Hey guys, thank y'all so much for tuning in with us today. Great conversation, both about church leadership and Carpe Diem. Imagine part two. Imagine. So uh, thank you guys for tuning in. Justin, where can they find more information about our church? You can find us online at transformationchurch.com or on Facebook and Instagram at Transformation Pensacola. That's it, guys. We love you. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We'll catch y'all next week for another week, another sermon, another follow-up podcast. See ya. Thanks for tuning in to the Transformation Church weekly follow-up podcast. It would mean so much to us if you would subscribe, like, and review on iTunes. You get double points if you show us love by sharing it with your friends. Don't forget you can follow Pastor Justin and Pastor Brad on Instagram and Twitter at Justin Oswald underscore and at Brad Livingston underscore. You can tweet them your questions and comments or email them to us at followup at transformationchurch.com. For more info on Transformation Church, visit us online at transformationchurch.com and on Instagram and Facebook at Transformation Pensacola. We'll be here next week where we will help create context and drive conversation to learn more of what God has for us.